0: Well, hello and welcome to The County Conversation, a podcast featuring employees and subject matter experts from the Fairfax County government discussing programs, services, and items of interest residents of Fairfax County. I'm your host, Jim Person, and today on The Conversation, we're talking with Daryl Washington. who is is the Executive Director of the Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board, or CSB, as you'll hear us uh, refer to in, in the chat. We're going to talk about the CSB and what it is, what they do, but we're also going to um, dive into some of their programs, as well as how the CSB was able to maintain its provision of services during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, Daryl, welcome. Thanks for being here on the podcast. Hey, good morning to you, and uh, thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Community Services Board, I I mentioned in the intro, a lot of times you'll just hear it referred to as CSB. Got to ask
1: to start off with, what, what is the CSB? Sure. The CSB is the public agency that serves individuals with mental health, substance use, and developmental disability issues in our community. And we also serve the uh, not just Fairfax County citizens, but also the cities of Fairfax and Falls Church as well.
0: Okay. That's a broad area, mental health, substance abuse. What was the third one you mentioned? Developmental disabilities. Okay. Broad area. Is that that, uh, conglomeration of all those uh, areas by design, or was it just something that that happened? Can you kind of give me a little history about how the CSB came about?
1: Happy to give you a history there. So um, CSBs were created as part of the National Mental Health Act about 50 years ago. And um, interesting fact is the Mental Health Act was actually signed on a table that for a number of years was actually in the Woodburn Mental Health Center. Um, It was signed by Jenny Carter. And um, we're part of 40 CSBs across the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, and as usual, Fairfax is the largest CSB. But this is not just a kind of Fairfax thing, but there's also CSBs across the state and across the nation to serve individuals with mental health, substance use, and developmental disabilities.
0: Okay. Is there, is there one area, one program that's more predominant that that is bigger the other or or is it uh i guess what i'm asking are resources spread across kind of all three areas evenly
1: yeah the resources are spread across all three areas now um we serve mental health individuals the mental health individuals are the individuals that we serve the most but i think that might be more of a predominance issue more so than a resource issue uh per se Hmm
0: did did the csbs uh, start in one area was it mental health where it started was it substance abuse or did it start uh, kind of serving all 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 populations
1: so the CSBs started off by mostly serving people with mental health issues. And as the knowledge about people with mental health and substance abuse and developmental disabilities has grown over the years, um, we've been able to morph our services um, to really be able to adapt to what is going to best meet the needs of the citizens of, of the county and, um, you know, of our jurisdiction and localities. Um, just kind of a, a real quick just sort of that is sort of typically around half of the people that we serve with mental health issues have a substance use issue and around about the same as far as substance use. So it's not like you have a mental health issue or substance use. A significant portion of the folks have a little bit of both. Hmm.
0: That, that, that's interesting. I don't know that I would have thought that. Is that kind of the, the common Assumption, perception, misconception—that uh that statistic you just laid out.
1: Well, it's it's one of those things that I don't know if the general layperson in the public would know, but if you're treating folks with this issue, it's fairly well known that that's what's going on. And if you step back and think about it, is that you know one of the common ways that people like you know if you're experiencing some type of mental health issue, you. Try to find some way to deal with that yourself often, and that's not mm-hmm. always the healthiest option that people pick up, um, whether it be drinking or using some other type of drug, but it is commonplace for that to be a coping mechanism for people that are experiencing that, and um, therefore, you know, we have that kind of ratio of a significant number of the folks that have one issue also have the other.
0: Right. You mentioned earlier on that uh, there are about 40, I think you said 40 CSBs or community services boards in Virginia, and Fairfax County is a, a large uh, county, large population and the largest in Virginia. Um, what are you what, what I was going to say most proud of, but what, what are some of the the, the things that you want to highlight here
1: on the podcast about the Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board? Sure. I think here in this locality, one of the big things, initiatives that we started about five or six years ago ago, is the Diversion First initiative. And really, Mm -hmm. Diversion First is really about decriminalizing mental health, substance use, and developmental disabilities. And what that is, it's a multi-agency cross-county effort, Um, sort of collaboration between the Community Services Board, police, fire, the sheriff's office, um, and a number of different partner agencies to really look at, instead of arresting folks that have mental health issues, um, finding ways to get treatment and care for them when they're in the midst of a crisis. Um, another initiative that we've really um, spearheaded and spends a lot of time on is addressing the um, opioid epidemic that we have going on in our community, which is also a nationwide issue, and really putting additional resources into prevention and to treatment um, for individuals that are experiencing um, opioid um, and substance use issues.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll, um, we'll, we'll touch on opioids in just a second. I We'll go, go back to diversion first. Yeah. that's um kind of a a, a new way of looking at, at at this type of issue across the country this is a kind of leading edge or cutting edge type of initiative is that
1: correct um it's a new initiative but i think it's something that's being recognized more and more across the nation um it, one of the things that has happened is that when they shut down um, psychiatric hospitals across the nation, they didn't put the resources that are needed in the community mental health. So what mm-hmm. ended up happening is jails became the ad hoc mental health treatment centers. And mm-hmm. most jails, a pretty significant percentage of the folks that are there have significant mental health issues. Um, even so much. So one example would be um, the, the, the person that runs the jail in Chicago is actually a clinical psychologist because they felt like the needs were so great in that locality that they need someone that was more of a mental health clinician than actually someone that typically runs jails in that locality because of the number of people that have mental health issues that are incarcerated.
0: Right. So diversion first not only helps the person, but also I'm I'm thinking – or assuming can also, uh, aid the locality and, uh, cost savings and
1: correct allocation of resources, if you will, by, by everybody working together it definitely can aid in cost avoidance things and and i think it also is really about providing better and quality care and a a better way of life for individuals if you're a citizen of fairfax and if you're experiencing a a mental health crisis you know you want to get treatment and help you don't want to be incarcerated
0: right absolutely
1: opioids we we seem to
0: talk about them more and more uh, as the years go on, uh, it it is an epidemic, a crisis. Um, talk to us a little bit about the opioid um, crisis and and what Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board
1: is is doing in that regard. Sure. So so one of the things that that we have done is we've really beefed out. Our outreach and our engagement. We we have our treatment centers, everything from outpatient treatment all the way up to detoxification facilities and twenty four hours a day, seven days a week residential treatment that folks can access, but also that outreach and engagement for folks that are um, not fully engaged that don't realize they have an issue. Um, but clearly need some type of substance abuse treatment services and help. And that's where one of the areas where we're putting focus on. We've also set aside money so that we can purchase additional treatment beds. If folks come to us and say they need help, but we don't have a bed open at the community services board directly operated programs um we we're making gains where um 3 years straight the number of overdoses that were happening in the Fairfax community were were decreasing um the pandemic i think has thrown not just fairfax but the whole nation for a loop um, where overdoses are back up again in our community and nationwide. Mm-hmm. And that's something where we're really trying to double down on um, additional engagement and outreach to our citizens and letting them know that, hey, we're still here. It's safe to come in for treatment and care, and, and you're not on your own. Because that is that is a, a huge issue for us, is that we're, we're finding that folks are just hesitant to come in for care, and we want to let them know that they can get care and treatment and get it done in a safe environment by coming into the CSB. Right.
0: You mentioned that um, outreach and uh, engagement program. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that, specifically what it is? And then I wanted to add add a follow-up on that. You said something about people uh, maybe not realizing they need help or not wanting to get help. So how does that tie in with the outreach engagement? How How do you... how do you engage? How do you outreach to that person yeah. that doesn't recognize
1: they have an issue? Yeah. So so one of the ways that, that we do get access to folks is, um, number one, we have what's called uh, certified peer counselors. These are individuals that um, had – May have had substance use or mental health issues um in the past themselves, but have since gotten clean and sober and have addressed their mental health issue and have now gotten training to be able to be you know counselors and helpers to individuals that have those same issues themselves, so you know we have hired individuals that do that, and they go out and find and locate individuals that are having substance use issues. And one of the ways we do that is with a partnership with our fire and police departments, uh, because when folks overdoses, typically it's it's police and fire that are the first contact with those citizens. And um, luckily, um, our fire and our police all have Narcan, which is an opioid um, overdose reversal drug and literally saves lives and um once folks get revived then we can start to partner with them to try to get them insert, engaged in treatment and care
0: you know you know one would think if you've gone through that type of situation and you have to be revived or you have a a scare in life you're you're much more receptive receptive to uh counseling and 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 work and trying to overcome the addiction what about dealing with people that um you know, haven't haven't gone through any difficulties. How do you how do you reach
1: out? How do you engage? Um, you know, one of the challenges is is that typically by the time folks come to our attention, it's rare that they've not gone through any type of difficulties. Now, mm. we also have prevention programs where we will go to community events. Um, and we will have CSB staff there ready to talk to the general public about substance use issues, ways to avoid it, and then also ways to um, help family members if their family members are struggling with substance use issues. So when you talk about kind of ways to sort of help people avoid it, that is typically what I would call our first line of defense is really our prevention services and the outreach that we do in the community. Um, And not so much during the pandemic, but also the outreach and engagement that we do in the schools when the schools are back in session um, during typical times. Right.
0: We're talking with Daryl Washington. He is the executive director of the Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board, CSB, as we're referring to him here. And as you may uh, hear uh, out in the community when you you hear about their services, people just say CSB a lot uh, easier than saying Community Services Board. We've mentioned uh, the COVID pandemic a couple of times, Daryl. Um, how, how, and well, first, were you able, and and if so, how did you continue to provide all the uh, services and programs of the CSB during the COVID pandemic when a lot of uh, programs and services and uh, other places had uh, had difficulty with you know meeting in person those type things how did how
1: did y'all handle that yeah great question great question so you know earlier on the pandemic i think we were like anybody else that wanted to keep their their doors open and providing services we were learning day by day hour by hour week by week and you know we put the health and safety protocols in um, that you would would see if you had to go to an urgent care center or a hospital during the time of the pandemic where, you know, any anybody coming into our buildings receive that healthcare screening And then we have nursing staff on site, and if they said yes to any of the sort of COVID screening questions, we would have them step aside, and a nurse would then do an individual intervention with them. Um, But many of our services um, are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our residential programs, um, we have an emergency services unit, and we essentially had to stay open. So, you know, locating and finding PPE at the beginning um, and then keeping PPE on hand. Um, One of the big things that we did is transitioning to teletherapy. Um, Mm -hmm. We had a bunch of outpatient clinicians that provided services face-to-face and we had to train um, over 500 of our staff in transitioning wow. to that online platform. Where we're providing teletherapy services, and um, we continue to do that. And we're slowly returning to office. I don't say returning to work because they've been working the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a number of our staff have been showing up to work and providing face-to-face services every day. For example, some of the medications the folks that we see take um, require blood levels, and you can't get a blood test done virtually. you got to come in to do that, and you -hmm. have to have a nurse to be able to draw that blood and um, someone to be able to check that. And then some of the folks, quite frankly, um, we want to see in person because we feel like that's the only appropriate way to provide care given the severity of their illness. Right. I know a
0: lot of uh, program services, agencies, businesses are, are looking at some of the lessons learned during the pandemic and things that they can continue doing that they maybe were forced to do to continue providing whatever their line of business was. Have, have you all had a chance to, to look at that and think about that? Are there things that you think will continue um, or lessons learned from the pandemic?
1: Most definitely. Um, Interesting thing. One of the silver lining things that happened as a result of the pandemic is that some of the federal and state rules around when and where and how we can provide teletherapy have changed. And they were Mm -hmm. at first emergency changes and temporarily, and now they've made them permanent changes. So Mm -hmm. now that that has occurred, you know, we'll be allowed to have a larger teletherapy footprint in our organization on an ongoing basis. Now, we will continue to provide mostly face-to-face services, but for a percentage of the folks that we say, um, it's appropriate and just an efficient as effective model of care to be able to provide via teletherapy. So I see mm-hmm. that as one huge thing that we'll be able to do, continue to do um, as a result of some of the changes that occurred during the pandemic.
0: Right. Always nice to have some uh, some silver linings. Yes. <laughs> All right. As as we're we've got a couple of minutes left, and I know you have a, an appointment to get to, and we're you know always try to be uh, mindful of our our time with our guests for our for our listeners as well. Um, final thoughts? Anything I haven't asked you about the CSB, the Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board, that you really would like residents to know and
1: understand about what the CSB is or does. Yeah. I what I would say is that, you know, the mental health is the lifetime prevalence of mental health is about one in five folks. So I I look at that as is that um typically either you or someone you know is going to experience a mental health issue at some point in time in your life. And we want all the citizens to know that we're here. And even if you don't want to get care with us, we we know who provides quality mental health services in our community. And we want you to pick up the phone and call us and talk to us um, so that even if you don't get care with us, we can point you in the right direction to get the care that you and or your family member needs. Um, right. The other thing is I, I want to highlight some upcoming changes that I'm really excited about. Um, okay. Everybody knows, you know, if you're in an emergency, you call 911. Um, if, if you're in a mental health crisis, what number do you call? And a lot of people don't realize, you know, there is a national suicide prevention hotline. Um, but it's not like a easy number to remember. Um, but come July 1 of next year, um, every locality in the nation is going to be required to have a 988, um, national crisis hotline. And just want everybody to kind of keep that number in mind. As in the future, I think this will hopefully be just as commonplace in everybody's mind as 911. That if you, if you're having some type of mental health crisis and if you want help or if a family member is, you, you pick up the phone and call 988 because 911 is, is if you're in an emergency, you need the police to come. Your house is on fire or something of that nature. But if you're really in a mental health crisis and emergency and you want some help, we want to make sure you're you're getting the help from those crisis counselors that are trained to do that. And, and that's going to be that 988 number um, moving ahead in the future. So I'm really excited and looking forward to that happening in our community in the near future.
0: Okay. And you mentioned that was July 1st next year, 2022 but I, I think uh your some of your staff are already working with 911 now with some Virginia legislation I believe something called Marcus Alert that's uh has something to do with with mental health and being able to get more health information uh into the the database if you will of 911 call takers you know starting this year to to help callers uh any any information about that you can share
1: Yeah and that's actually something that's going to be rolled out um by by the you know public safety 911 call center um within the next couple of weeks and that's going to be available for all citizens where if you have someone that has a disability and and it doesn't have to be a mental health disability it can be a physical disability or it can be just someone with a general health condition and if you want the 911 call center to have that information on hand before they show up um, you know, this database will be available for, for citizens to be able to sign up to and put information in there so that if someone calls 911, um, right now it's only for mobile phones. If someone calls 911 from that mobile phone, the 911 call center staff will be able to pull up that information and be able to say, Hey, it's Joe and he has this health condition and he's on these five medications and they'll know that information before they show up to your house. And likewise, if you have someone with disability and you perhaps want a response by someone that's a um, possibly a trained clinician or a, officer that has training on dealing with folks with mental health issues, um, then you can put in information about, hey, I have a son that has a mental health issue and he lives with me, and this is what's going on with them. And that information can be available when you call 911 as well. And um, that's called Rapid OSOS. and we'll be putting out a public service campaign um, sometime in the next couple of weeks about that being ready and available to the citizens.
0: That's awesome. Lots of uh, lots of stuff happening in your world, Darrell. We certainly do appreciate your time uh, being with us, Darrell Washington, Executive Director of the Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board. And sir, as I always do with all of my guests, I give them the, the final 30 seconds or so to have the last word. So anything you'd like to uh, share with us as we wrap up.
1: Well, I think you've asked a lot of excellent questions and and gotten a lot of great information out of me. And I think um, a minute ago you mentioned Marcus Alert, and I'm also very excited about that. And and that really is about um, co-responder models where someone's having a mental health crisis, being able to respond with the police um in the midst of a mental health crisis and when appropriate having a mental health clinician take the lead in interacting with folks and I think that is something that's I'm really looking forward to getting stood up and um expanding here in the Fairfax community um because again it's really going back to if someone's having a mental health crisis we want to make sure that we're getting them access to mental health care and and not access to um a jail. And I think our, we have great police officers that are well trained, but they don't go to become police officers to be social workers, but we do. And that's what we're here for.
0: All right. How can folks get more information? Is it just uh, simply Googling uh, uh, or using their favorite search engine for Community Services Board or going to fairfaxcounty.gov and looking for information? Website, phone numbers, think- any place you would recommend?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a couple of ways. If we're on the uh, Fairfax County website, we're on Twitter. Um, we have a Facebook page. So those are all ways you can get information. And if you Google Fairfax CSB, um, you know, that landing page should come up for you to click on and find out additional information. And then we also have a speakers bureau. So if you want, if you have a community organization and if you want us to come out and talk to them and find out more about us, um, please feel free to contact us and my public information officer and we can try to get someone out there to your organization as well. All right.
0: Awesome information, Daryl. Thank you so much, sir, for being on the uh, County Conversation Podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Daryl Washington, again, Fairfax Falls Church Community Services Board, joining us on the County Conversation Podcast, which is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.